you know, there was a time when I didn't know I was beautiful, and I certainly didn't know God was beautiful. The Lord was beautiful. There was a time, a long time ago, when I was a very different person, when I was really struggling with life, and didn't know where to turn, and then someone introduced me to Jesus. But it wasn't just Jesus, it was the grace of God that was introduced into my life. And I needed the grace of God, that undeserved favor, that love that covered absolutely everything. And I so needed that. And before I actually became a Christian, I'd written a poem, which in many ways is a bit, shall we say, gut-wrenching. Are you allowed to say that on a Sunday? (laughs) It was, and when I read it to Brian, he sobbed. But I'm not going to read that to you, because I don't want you all sobbing as well. But it was that sort of time when I was so seeking with all my heart, I tell you. I would have committed suicide for Tuppence. I really would. I was in a bad way. And I never smiled. I didn't laugh. I wasn't happy. I wasn't the person that you see now. You know, I very seldom had a, a joyous moment in my life. I very seldom was out of hospital. <laughs> And so I really needed the grace of God, I tell you. And it changed my life. And I just want to read you, once I became a Christian, I wrote another poem that said, but now I know where to look because the answer's in his book. And, And it went on and on. I'm not reading that either. But I'm going to read you the last verse of my poem. And it said, now I've found that someone knows of all my troubles, all my woes, No need to fight them on my own. I've found my father. I've come home. And I want to invite you this morning, no matter where you are, whether you're a Christian or not, come home this morning. Find out how beautiful the Lord is and what grace really means in your life, whether you're at school, university, whether you're a teacher or a nurse, whether you're at home looking after your children, whatever you are doing in life, His grace is there for you. Mm. And that's his favor, his love, his Mm. kindness, and his compassion. Mm. It's everything you will ever need to live life Mm. well. And if you want prayer for that, come and see me later, I tell you, because I know how wonderful my God Mm. is. I know what grace is. Mm. I tell you, when I sing he's beautiful, believe you me, he is beautiful. All God's people said, Amen. amen. Good. Thank you, Father. You know, Nick said at the beginning, grace is real. It's not just a doctrine, it's real. It's tangible. It's something that can be received and tasted. And it does us good from the inside out. And this morning, I want to just speak about reigning in life through grace. Who would love to reign in life? But we can only do it by grace. If you try it any other way, you're likely to burn out. I don't want you to burn out. Praise God. So, you know, the verses I read out last week, Ephesians chapter 2, wonderful chapter. You know what it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, not just his love, but his great love. You're loved today by the great love of God. Isn't that good? Amen. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Not by grave. We've got over that one, haven't we? <laughs> by grace, we've been saved. It's okay, make mistakes, it's good, isn't it? For by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourself is a gift of God. 
And Romans 5.17 says this, and this is what I'm going to be homing in and uh, homing into today. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, how much more will those who receive an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one Jesus Christ? Receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life. We are called to reign in life. You know what that verse says in the Amplified? It says this. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one, much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace and the free gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with himself, reign as kings in life through the man, Jesus Christ. Reign as kings in life. We're supposed to be reigning as kings in life through receiving the abundance of grace. So if we want to reign in life, we need to receive the abundance of grace. God's free and undeserved favor. In fact, I've improved my definition since last week. <laughs> Listen, I've got a better one. You can put it up. It is now this. Grace is God's free and undeserved favor. I said that last week. His unconditional love, I said that. I've now added in his abundant goodness because it is. His love, his provision, and his active power. And I thought I might as well put in, etc., etc., etc. Because it's everything. It's, every, it's, it's God's etc., etc., etc. Everything we have that's good we receive from God's grace. Praise God. I've got another book to recommend this week. Last week, in case you didn't see it, Living in the Grace of God by Rob Rufus. Who managed to buy it during the week? Has anyone bought it since last week? Well, there's two, three, four, five. Oh, we're coming on. Okay. I still commend this book. Someone got £1.88 in Amazon. The postage was more expensive than the book. £2.80 for the postage. £1.88 for the book. They may have it in the manor house. Living in the Grace of God, Rob Rufus. You see, there's not much point in us coming here Sunday by Sunday the word of God going in one year and out the other. You know, it's worth it. You're, you're investing in your destiny. Yes. It's your destiny. It's your life. Yes. And another one for you. Grace the Power to Reign by Harold Bella. This one's on the, uh, the Bethel LDP course. It's one of the books people have to read. The Power to Reign by Harold Bell, And it picks up this whole thing about standing under the waterfall of grace and learning to be good receivers. And church, we've got to become good receivers. I'm a good receiver. You've got to become a good receiver. The better the receiver we are, then the more we're going to reign in life. It's as simple as that. If we don't receive it in, we can't get it out. So two good books. I'll ask you next week if you bought them. Hallelujah. See, I don't know about you, but I place value upon my life. Do you place value upon your life? I invest in my destiny. I've got one life to live upon planet Earth, and I'm investing in it. I want to become all that I can be under God while I'm down here, because when I go up there, I don't get a second chance. It's no good looking Jesus in the eye and saying, please send me back, Lord Jesus. There's all these things I should have done that I haven't done. He said, too late. You're on the dust cart. So I encourage you, invest in your life. Value yourself. Okay. Grace enables us to reign in life. 
You see, that verse picks it up. It's who we are in Christ. We reign in life because of our new position, not because of our condition. You see, our position never changes, but our condition does. Our position is as we are sons and daughters of God. That never changes. Bought with the blood of Jesus, a brand new life, a brand new identity, a brand new passport, that never ever changes. There can be adverse circumstances in life, but our position never changes. We are seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that never changes. No matter what we go through, that never changes, because our position is steadfast. Sons and daughters of God, I believe in eternal security, I don't believe that ever changes. Someone said to me last week, Brian, do you believe that one saved, always saved? I said, yes. I know there's other scriptures that say otherwise, but I relate a lot of the Bible to family life. And it's like this. Our son is our son because of the bloodline. Now, he can go off the rails. He could get into, uh, into drugs. He could get into all sorts of things. It doesn't undo the fact he's our son. It affects our relationship but it doesn't affect his position as my son. You see that? I believe it's like that with God. Now, we don't want to go off the rails, but if we do, I believe we're still saved and we might not get the reward when we get to heaven and we're hanging on by our fingernails, but I believe we're still sons and daughters. I'd love to be able to preach the other version and say, if you don't walk with God, you'll lose your salvation. Man, that would be handy some Sundays. But in my heart, not what I believe because I relate so much to the Bible to natural family life because God is a heavenly father and he's a perfect heavenly father and God always wants what is good for his kids now he doesn't force his goodness on us we need to receive it and walk with him so if we go off the rails we damage our relationship not our position our position is safe and secure man that should make you feel good for a start Praise God. We reign in life through receiving the abundance of grace. You know, we can approach the throne of grace any time of the day or night. And it says in Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, it talks about Jesus being able to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. Jesus has been through everything we have ever been through or will ever go through. He's been through it all. So he can sympathize with us because he understands what we're going through. And we can come to the throne of grace to receive God's grace and favor any time of the day and night. Isn't that good news? Jesus sympathized with us. He knows. He understands. Praise God for that. My God understands me. Isn't that good? That's very, very helpful. My God understands me. We need to remember this. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. says that in James, doesn't it? God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. If we want to receive God's grace, we've got to humble ourselves and recognize we need it. And then it will come to us. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You remember the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12? He was, he was asking God to set him free from this thorn and God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in your weakness. 
Anyone weak today? Paul goes on to say, I therefore rejoice in my weaknesses so we can rejoice in our weaknesses because grace can come to us. God's power, a tangible power, can help us in our weakness. I'm not talking about just a belief system here or a doctrine. I'm talking about a tangible power that we can receive to help us in times of weakness and difficulty. God hasn't left us without providing all that we need. It's there for us so we can reign in life. Remember last night, last week I said about receiving God's love, you see. Grace enables us to receive the love of God. Grace enables us to do anything God has called us to do. And if I had to say to you, you need to love God more, you could end up feeling condemned. But if I say, come on, let's receive more of the love of God. What happens is we then respond to his wonderful love. It's back to this thing about being good receivers. To receive his love and then respond to his love. Because the more we understand and know that God loves us, the more we want to love him. Now, we can reign in life because grace also gives us the freedom to choose. We can choose righteousness or sin. We can choose to please God and obey God or not to please God. We can please to love and honor God or not to love and honor God because grace is there for us and so we can't say I'm not able to do this. His grace is sufficient to enable us to do it. It gives us the power and the freedom to make choices. Praise God for that. Isn't that good? You know, in Titus, it talks about grace enables us to say no to ungodliness. Some people with the message of grace thought, well, now I'm under grace, I can do anything. And they've made it into a kind of liberal doctrine, a wishy-washy thing. No, the Bible says that grace gives us the power to say no to ungodliness. That means we have the power to say no to sin. Therefore, we don't have to sin. It doesn't mean we don't sin, but it means we don't have to sin because we can call upon his grace to enable us to say no to sin. Isn't that good? That's good news. Living over the grace side of the fence, praise God. Empowers us to change bad habits. Anyone got any bad habits? Am I the only one with bad habits in this church? Grace enables us to change our bad habits into good habits. The power is there to help us change. Grace enables us to change. If we try and do it without God's grace, we will struggle. But if we will receive his grace to change the habit, we'll change it. We're going to do something in a minute because I want you to see how real this is. Grace also gives us the power to serve God. You remember the Apostle Paul who said, I labor more abundantly than any of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that's with me. Grace enables us to serve God. It enables us to labor abundantly, yet not I, but the grace of God. So grace empowers us to serve and to work hard. Isn't that good? You're not so keen on that one, working hard. But grace enables us to do these things. It's because of his grace. His strength, not ours. And grace enables us to reign in life. Before I go any further, I just want us to be very practical about this because 
If this is just something that's stuck between the ears today, well, it's a good point. If it sticks, that's a good thing. But I want to do more than stick between the ears. I want us to know how to do it in the work situation, at home, you know, when you're in the shops, in, the, in the, this classroom, wherever we are, we can receive the grace of God. We can receive it. So can you stand with me, please? We're just going to practice receiving the grace of God. First of all, do you believe Hebrews 4.16, well, 59.16, where it says Jesus can sympathize with us? Therefore, we can come to the throne of grace any time of the day or night. Is that okay? No matter where we are, lying in your bed, doesn't matter where, you can receive the grace of God. And all you've got to say is, Father, I come to your throne of grace and I receive your grace in Jesus' name. Just, just do that. Now, grace is tangible because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of grace. You can receive the tangible grace of God. And even if you don't feel God pouring in your grace, believe by faith God is pouring in your grace, and you'll get to that place where you're aware of that grace being poured in. Just receive His grace. Wherever you are, you may be in a work situation, you're going through a tough time. Run to the toilet. Have a quick prayer to heaven and say, Father, I need grace. Pour in your grace now. I receive your grace. I receive your grace. I receive your grace. I receive your grace. Then after about two minutes, you might, what, you feel strengthened inside. You can go back out. Maybe two hours later, you've got to come back. Father, I need more grace. I receive your grace. Pour in your grace, God. I receive your grace. Wherever you are, you can do this. Learn to make it a habit. Learn to make it a lifestyle so it becomes more than a doctrine. It will enable you to do things that you'll be amazed at. I have done things by the grace of God. I look back and thought, how on earth did I get through that? How did I do that? Because the grace of God takes us beyond the human resources and the human strength. It's a supernatural power. It's a supernatural enabling. And it's active. And it's there towards us. All we've got to do is receive it and draw upon it. Okay? Good. You can sit down now. I've never heard of anyone having too much grace of you. I know a few people need a lot more grace. That includes me. I'm front of the queue of that one, I'll tell you. I know my place. See, the other thing about grace is the doctrine of grace. When you know God loves you and accepts you who you are, you can just be yourself. See, we don't have to get it right all the time. We're free to make mistakes like me. I mean, does anyone else want to make mistakes like me? (laughs) (laughs) Well, whatever, it doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't matter. We don't have to be performance-driven. We can just do our best. As we do our best, God blesses us. God's not looking for perfection. He just wants us to try our best, that's all. Are we motivated by guilt or grace? That's a good one. When guilt is motivation, it won't last. See, if we pray, read our Bible. If we pray, read our Bibles, and do good works from guilt, it won't last. You know, have you ever been in that place where, you know, you've got it wrong and you've slipped? 
and you think, right, I'm going to pray more. I'm going to spend more time with God. I'm going to read 25 chapters of the Bible every day. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Only to discover two days or two weeks later, you're back at square one. You ever been there? And more guilt comes upon you. When we get to that place, just say, Father, sorry, I've got this wrong. God, I just receive your grace. Please pour your grace into my life. I receive it now. Thank you. I'm forgiven. I'm washed by the blood of Jesus. And I'm your son or daughter and you love me. Get the pressure off. Get the pressure off. So many Christians I know are motivated by guilt. Don't be motivated by guilt. Be motivated by grace. We're really loved and accepted. You know, if I never pray... I'll never read my Bible again. God still loves me. That sounds like heresy, doesn't it? Well, it's not. It's just understanding grace. God doesn't love me because I read my Bible or because I pray. God loves me because I'm his son called Brian Alexander Nish. God, isn't that freeing? I mean, you can be so relaxed now. You just... You can see why grace is my favorite doctrine, can't you? Does anyone else here like grace? It's wonderful, isn't it? Got to keep hearing about it. Oh, See, when grace motivates us, we can run after Jesus for the rest of our lives. And we don't burn out. Because we know it's grace. I don't want to burn out. I've got too much to do. Well, I went running a race by grace. You know, Paul talks in 1 Corinthians 9 about running his race. And the great thing is in the Christian race, we can all get a gold medal. Isn't that good? We don't have to settle for bronze or silver. We can get gold. Man, every one of us getting a gold medal. If we learn to run a race by grace. And you might be thinking, well, God, I'm too weak to run this race called Christianity. Good. That's great. I'm so glad you're inadequate. You've just qualified for grace. You've just qualified for grace. Where's your point of inadequacy? I've often shown you where my point is. This, here's this line. Here I am. I'm going to do something for God. Here's my line here. I'm inadequate here. I step here. I'm stepping into his grace. So that all that I do, I do by his grace. Are you inadequate? Join me. Join me. God's power is made perfect in our weakness. Made perfect in our weakness. Doesn't leave us much to boast about. That's the problem. Deals the death blow to pride. That's the problem. Completely inadequate. Hallelujah. Maybe we could change the church name to the church of the inadequate. You think that could catch on? I'll tell you what, a lot of people would sign up for that, wouldn't they? At least they wouldn't feel condemned, would they? They think it's wonderful. I've found some people like ourselves. Someone laughed over in the far corner. You've got a serious face. I'm glad you caught that one. Thank you. Romans 5, 2 says this. We access God's grace by faith. See, God's grace, all the blessing God has for us is all contained in His grace. We access this grace by faith. That's how we do it. 
We've got to believe all that stuff exists, and then we access his grace by faith. That's what Romans 5, 2 says. Isn't it good? See, if we don't believe in God's grace, how are we going to receive it? So we've got to receive this grace there to receive. Praise God. And, you know, some people think that faith is arrogance. Actually, biblical faith is humility. It's humility. The best definition of biblical faith for me is Proverbs 3, 5, is to trust in the law with all our heart, not lean into our own understanding. That's faith. Trusting in God and his word with all our heart, not leaning into your own understanding. That means when your mind is screaming out to do certain things, you don't do that, but you do what the Word says. What we're doing, we're humbling ourselves under the Word of God. And we're putting that Word over our lives. That's not arrogance, that's humility. That's humility. And what happens when we humble ourselves? Grace comes. So this power called grace actually comes and strengthens and enables our faith. Which means we can't say, well, I did this by faith. No, 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 you did it by grace because that grace came and strengthened your faith. So grace enables and strengthens faith. Because faith is humility. It's not arrogance. Remember Rachel Hickson was asked, I think she was here once in the Someone said, do all Christians, you know, no, no, they said, do you believe in all this faith stuff, Rachel? She said, I thought all Christians were supposed to live by faith because the Bible says the righteous shall live by faith. We are righteous. We're supposed to live by faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we're all supposed to be living by faith. That means we're all supposed to be trusting in the law with all our heart and not leaning into our own understanding. We've got a, a plaque thing at home that someone gave us. I think this is what it said. It said, uh, faith makes things possible, not easy. Faith makes things possible, not easy. Faith isn't the easy option. That's why Paul talks about fighting the fight of faith. In some sense, we need to fight the fight of faith. And you know, it's no coincidence we begin to believe God in a particular area or believe a particular verse of the Bible. Wow! A battle begins in that area and the very thing you're believing in, it's the very opposite, starts to happen to you. It might be in the financial realm. I'm going to believe God this, this, this. And seemingly, all your, your finances seem to go all over the place. You're going to fight the fight of faith. But you do that because grace enables your faith. Grace strengthens your faith and empowers you to do that. Grace is wonderful. But it means we've got nothing to boast about. If you want to boast, fine. You just want to receive grace, that's all. I'm just going to finish off with, uh, I've read this out before. It's about a baseball game. But it illustrates this whole thing about how much we need the grace of God. She was saved by grace, but we're supposed to be running a race by grace and finishing a race by grace. It's not just a doctrine. 
It's all that stuff that God wants to give us. It's all the etc., etc., etc. Who's seen the King and I, Yul Brynner? You remember, etc., etc., etc. Yes? Well, that's what Grace says. The next time you think, etc., etc., etc. Sorry, I don't have a bald head, but etc., etc., etc. If nothing else sticks in there today, me, you remember my etc., etc., etc. So wherever you are, whenever you're stuck, you'll remember to receive and draw upon the grace of God. It'll change your life. Let me just read this out to you. The Lord's team was playing Satan's baseball. We call it rounders. Okay. Where did they get baseball from? Wearing all these funny clothes and plus fours and stuff. Just rounders. The Lord's team was playing Satan's. The Lord's team was at bat. The score was tied, zero to zero. Love came up to bat. Swung at the first pitch and hit a single because love never fails. The next batter was Faith, who also got a single because Faith works through love. The next batter was Godly Wisdom. Satan wound up and threw the first pitch. Godly Wisdom let it pass because Godly Wisdom doesn't swing at Satan's pitches. Ball one. Three more pitches and Godly Wisdom was on with a walk because Godly Wisdom never swings at what Satan throws. The Lord then turned to Bob and said, he was going to bring in his star player. Up to the plate, stepped Grace. No one recognized him, and he sure didn't like he could do much. He was obviously a, you know, a bit weakish and wimpish looking little, probably about two foot tall or something. No one recognized him. He sure didn't look like he could do much. Satan's team relaxed. Satan wound up and fired his first pitch. To everyone's surprise, Grace hit the ball harder than anyone had ever seen. But Satan wasn't worried. His central fielder, the prince of the air, had let very few ever get by him. He went up to get the ball, but he went right through his glove, hitting him in the head and bringing him crashing to the ground. It was a home run. The Lord's team had won. Hallelujah. The Lord then asked Bob if he knew why love, faith and godly wisdom could get hits but couldn't win the game. Bob answered he didn't know. The Lord explained, if your love, faith or wisdom had won the game, you would think you'd done it by yourself. Love, faith, and wisdom can get you one base, but only my grace can get you home. I don't know what I can do, not just to get you to understand grace, but to receive it on a daily basis. Because it really will cause a revolution in your life. God's active power, his goodness, his love is available to us. Any time of the day or night, whether we're in school, wherever we are, and we can draw upon it. But we shouldn't just wait for the crisis moment to draw upon it. We should practice drawing drawing upon it umpteen times every day. I do that. Every now in my office, I just sit there for two minutes, stick my hands in there and say, Father, thank you. I come to the throne of grace. I receive your grace now. And I sit in my chair. I say, oh, thank you, Lord. I receive your grace. I receive your grace. After two or three minutes, I think, okay, that's it. A couple hours later, I might do the same thing. I might be upstairs making a cup of tea. 
waiting for the kettle to boil, stick my hand, thank you, God. I come to your throne in grace. I receive your grace. I receive your grace. I receive your grace. I'm doing it throughout the day. Sometimes I lie in my bed at night and say, thank you, Father. Before I go to sleep, I just receive your grace. I receive your grace. I receive your grace. And in the morning, it's a battle. God, this is hard getting out of bed, pouring your grace. <laughs> Actually, the guy who wrote this book, there's a testimony in his book. He was so burnt out, this man, he couldn't get out of bed in the morning. He was so worn out. And so for five mornings in a row, for ten minutes, he just laid in his bed in the alarm office and said, God, I just receive your grace. I receive your grace. After doing this for five mornings, he felt rejuvenated. It's tangible. It's real. It enables us to reign in life. So don't just settle for the doctrine of grace. Receive all that grace offers you because it's ours. Grace really is the power to reign in life. Can we stand, please? Have we got time to sing that amazing grace, Phil? Father, I just thank you. Lord, I just ask for me, for everyone here, for those who are not here, God, you'd give us more revelation and understanding of the grace of God that we live in the good of it. We live in the reality of your amazing grace. Not just the truth, not just the wonderful doctrine, but God is the, God is the, the et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, God. It's your love, it's your goodness, it's your power, it's all that we need. Not, not just in these crisis moments, but God, we take time throughout the day to just come to you, Father, and receive your wonderful grace. Holy Spirit, you're the spirit of grace. And it's you who gets poured into us at these times. And so, Father, I just want to thank you again for your amazing grace, for saving me, Lord, for giving me an unchangeable position as a son of God, seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. God, nothing can change that. And I thank you for that. Oh, Lord, I just find some more grace to run your lace and to finish it well and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 